Hi, I'm Dr. Emmanuel Aiko. The early signs of a heart attack can vary. The most common include squeezing across the chest, a feeling of unease, and a sense that something just isn't right. It can be easy to dismiss the early signs of a heart attack as the symptoms don't always feel severe. It's never too early to call 999 and describe your symptoms. Your NHS is here for you. Well, look at this! Here's the guy here just in the nick of time! What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir! Ain't we just! Do not edit this. A lot of people knew. Because you can't do what he did unless you have other people supporting what you're doing. Spanish fly, the girl would drink it and hello, America. Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and we're joined by someone who I always love introducing her onto the show. She always comes in with such tremendous news, fantastic uh, stories to tell us uh, from such exotic locations, but we'll talk about her in just a second. Let us finish introducing ourselves. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. Hi, how you doing? (laughs) Lovely to see you all. I love I love switching up the intros just to to mess with you. You're like, what what is he gonna say now? Okay, fine, all right, that's so good. Uh, let's let's bring on our guest. She's a she she has appeared almost as many times on this show as I have. She's she's part of the show. She's fantastic. She's a filmmaker. She's a film festival director. Uh, please tell us your name and tell us where we are speaking to you from. Merci, bonjour from Los Angeles. Um, yeah, it, I guess the best way to introduce me is just to say I call from LA because as you say, Marcus, you and producer Dave has been so generous inviting me on this amazing show. And uh, yeah, to put it into context, we are here during Oscar week and uh, I'm so excited to uh, speak at such an exciting time of the year because both for the festival and for my work, it's been a, it's been a very lucky time. It's, it's every time because you're either bouncing between Paris and LA. The last time we spoke to you, you were in Paris because you were just running with the uh, Paris International Film Festival, and now you're up in LA. Um, you know, here's, here's what we're going to do we're just going to jump straight because in, in our spotlight segment, we have someone who was from the Paris International Film Festival. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Maya Albanese in a few minutes, but let's just jump straight into the film and TV news and hear everything that is it is to know about what is happening with Jenna Sur. So we're jumping into film and TV news. <laughs> Thank you. 
filmmaker, film uh, film festival director Jenna Suru with us. Just before we speak with Jenna, I want to I want to jump on and talk and, and ask you, producer Dave. I'll ask you this: um, Have you seen the four part documentary? We need to talk about Cosby. No, I was saving it up to watch all in one hit. Okay, perfect. So I, I didn't see the I didn't see the first episode. I just wanted to see them all, just kind of like really quickly. Why right, have you enough. watched it already? Yes, not only have I watched it, I've watched all all four parts, and all four parts are available on BBC iPlayer. I think it's uh, I don't know what BBC are doing if they're dripping it um, every single uh, night or every week or whatever, but you can get all four episodes. Um, it, I think it's about uh, an hour an episode. Um, on there so you can go you can go 57 minutes or something like that it's, I, didn't, uh, it's a, I didn't know that so i'll do that yeah oh it it, it flies by it honestly flies by so uh the it's a writer director produced by uh w Kam, uh, kamau bell uh which a lot of I, I, don't, I don't know a lot of people in the uk may not necessarily know him People who watch a lot of CNN would know him. He's a he's a, an African American stand up comedian who does a lot of like you know uh, presentation pieces for CNN uh, travel pieces usually. And now he's doing this documentary about Bill Cosby. If you've been living under a rock um, and don't know who Bill Cosby is uh, and don't know what happened with Bill Cosby, he essentially he's he, he's he's a legendary stand up comedian um, as from far from the 60s he's been you know he's he he has been considered and he's always actually put in top 10 best comedians of all time up there with Pryor, up there with carlin and so on and so forth um and it also in the last i'll say in the last 10 years has been publicly revealed not even 10 years in the last yeah i'll say 10 years in the last 10 years because the whole thing started pretty much in 2014 um in the last 10 years it has come out fully into the public eye that for those going on 60 years he has been drugging and allegedly drugging and raping women and this documentary follows uh, it, it interviews a number of people who were involved in, in with him in, in some of the victims uh, some of the people who worked with him uh, you, you get a, a long list of people like doggy dog who was on uh, Cosby, not the Cosby show, but Cosby, uh, he's in there as well. Um, uh, Godfrey, who was a, who was a stand-up comedian, they used to open up uh, on the Cosby show. He was on there, not Cosby show, on Cosby as well. Uh, uh, you know, the stand, the warm-up act for the stage audience. He was, he's on there as well. A whole bunch of people being interviewed, and you get to find out. Uh, you get if you if you don't know anything about him, you get to they talk. They start off by talking about his rise to prominence, right? So not just talking about, you know, his stand-up comedy, including his stand-up comedy, as well as his heavy involvement in Civil War. Now, this documentary is just, done, it's fantastic. Yeah, you, you're on mute. So, so yeah, yeah, you, you meant Civil Rights, not Civil War. Did I say Civil War? Yeah. Thank you, I meant Civil Rights, yes. Not in the Civil War, he's not that old. Um, but yeah, in the civil rights, so the civil rights movement. So it's if you didn't know about his involvement in it, this is how big his involvement is in it. And this is very early in the first episode, anyway. So, and this is something I never even knew. Um, it is because of Bill Cosby that there is that the black group of uh stunt actors actually came to exist in American TV. Uh, it, it literally. 
and they showed examples of like in like in James Bond Live and Let Die right where you, you know which was pre predominantly well it wasn't predominantly black people but in fact it was that was one of the first bonds that uh, because it was set in Jamaica or the Caribbean so a lot of the characters are black right the the first um um black uh, bond girl if you will it, that comes from that movie and that character there's a stunt scene that's supposed to be in it and they show frame by frame how it's a white man right that has to black himself up in order to be a stunt double um and when bill cosby who was his first tv show was i spy back in you know back in the 60s um he he came on set and his stunt double that they brought up was again a guy blacking his face up and bill cosby just says no that's not happening and because he had that kind of pull at that point, they immediately went and said, all right, let's go and find a, uh, somebody who is who is willing to do this. They went onto another set, found an extra who looked very much like Bill Cosby. And they are, they just said to him, "Is like, if you are happy to do some stunts, you know, we'll take you off from being an extra and you can be Bill Cosby's stunt guy. And that was the first ever black stuntman in American TV. And that's all because of Bill Cosby. So they start off with that. You get to see how much of an amazing person he is, and immediately they switch it. It's like every you you they, they build 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 build, and then they switch, and you have a victim talk about how he attacked her, and the way they do it as well. They strip all the music, strip all the inserts, nothing. It's just her describing it, and then it goes back to him, and it, it's it's very well done. It kind of the same thing as the surviving R. Kelly documentary that's one of the things that kind of reminded reminded me about it um how poignant that documentary was how hard-hitting that documentary is and they go through it the name of the doc this documentary is we need to talk about cosby and it is it's exactly a lot of people and, and still to this day a lot of people are struggling to come to terms with the fact that this guy who everybody used to call america's dad right uh, because of his preaching of you know, how people should behave and so on and so forth. Then was doing all this stuff. Dave Chappelle's joke, what Dave Chappelle has, one of his great jokes in, I think, Stick and, Sticks and Stones, where he says how Bill Cosby, you know, all through all through the years, through Civil War, this is like his Civil War, Civil Rights Movement from the 60s all the way, and all through those 60 years, Bill Cosby's been raping women. It, it's, it, it the, jar those two things together, and it's just... And and it's like and the documentary goes through uh, exploring people who worked with him and it's like how did you not know this was going on and you get to hear all the things and it's like well it actually was quite a not necessarily a well known secret but it was like you know so there were a lot of people who would just go being completely honest with you I didn't think it was that bad but I'm not that surprised that it happened and you're like wow those of us who were not in the loop did not know. You know, we do not care about this stuff. But the documentary, it's a fantastic documentary. If you have any interest in, in either Bill Cosby or in how celebrity culture sort of shades us from what people actually are and how idols... I mean, this we're in a season, and we've been in the season of idols being brought down by a lot of their scandals. You have R. Kelly... Um, uh, you know the Harvey Weinstein's, the Kevin Spacey's, all of all of these heroes that a lot of people have been looking up to for a long period of time, 
all being brought down by all of these sex scandals. It's like friend Michael and Maria. Michael and Maria even mentioned he mentioned he's like he doesn't know why. It's always it's always about sex. It's never about drugs. It's never about money. It's never about, it's not about any of that stuff. It's always about sex. But anyway, so go and check it out. It's on iPlayer. It's we need to talk about Cosby. Producer Dave, when you watch it, I'd love to chat to you again about it. Um, and we will come back onto the conversation and uh, let me know if you were as impacted or uh, impacted by it as I was. Okay, I will do. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we have Jenna Suru in LA. Now, before we talk about why you're in LA, um, we finished you, the Paris International Film Festival finished on the 15th of February. We haven't spoken to you since then. How did it go this year? Thank you. We're still speaking. We are filmmakers, obviously. It was such a beautiful edition. Um, uh, opening night, Pierre et Jeanne our big coming back in person uh, for the fifth edition anniversary. Uh, Pierre Jean is the directorial debut of an actress who is extremely famous in France, especially for TV. Uh, and it's her adaptation of uh, a book uh, by Guy de Maupassant called Pierre et Jeanne. Pierre et Jean, actually, and the film is Pierre et Jeanne because it was important to her that Jean becomes female. Uh, and um, what was incredible uh, opening with this film is that not only is it um, a, a beautiful uh, acted uh, uh, psychological family drama, but also this year at the festival, we had uh, decided to focus on um, parenting and health. Uh, so this, this movie obviously deals with a doctor and it deals with a family story. So. Uh, it was very profound to just be gathered together at Le Champo in the beautiful Quartier Latin. And the closing was um, uh, screening a film that uh, you know well, you and producer Dave, because it's A La Cachou in English, Take and Run by Maria Brandel. Uh, and now we are in, during Oscar week and we are uh, working with our filmmakers to keep uh, voicing their groundbreaking and, and change making uh, stories. So it's just been massively successful and, and beautiful to witness. And thank you so much for bringing, bringing them on the show because they speak uh, better than us about their films. But uh, I, I hope they all had a good experience at the festival. It sounds uh, like yeah. I, I mean, yeah. We invite we spoke, uh, we will and we'll talk about one of the people who was at the festival because um, uh, Maya Albanese, who was uh, she was on there. At, at the festival with the ringmaster her short the ringmaster she ended up with the best director award uh from the festival she was she's been on our show now a couple of times because we keep bringing her back to chat more and she's telling us about moving to to france uh but there but then also one of my favorite entries at film festival uh little jar uh, they were on the uh they were on air on on uh, on the show with us and they had some extra good news as well. They're supposed to be coming back to talk about the fact they got engaged, which is fantastic. It's like Paris oh. in, around Valentine's Day, it just spurs all the romantic feelings from <laughs> sharing share the love, right? So um so now that the festival is finished, I will you didn't answer this question to my satisfaction the first time we asked you. <laughs> Uh, what was your favorite film this year in the festival in the Paris International Film Festival? Um, I think my favorite screening was um 
uh, with Alakachu. The reason for that is because um, it was a very, uh, it was a very moving uh, moment. You know, uh, we had uh, invited. Uh, you mentioned uh, Maya's uh, award, uh, best director for the Ringmaster, and on our jury, uh, the comedian Mikwan Lok served with the programmer Cindy Kintagawa. And so we had a conversation after Alakachu screening with Mikwan Lok and um, and the speaker from the United Nations, in particular United Nations Youth Envoy Mayada Adil. Uh, who works on, on many fronts uh, to voice um, a better future for, for young generations. And it was, uh, I mean, Mar Maria's movie is, is incredible. Obviously, it's actually a longer short. It's a 45-minute film. In France, we call it a moyen métrage. And this conversation we had uh, was really, really felt special. Um, we had the opportunity to discuss what is the goal of the festival, which is uh, educational and how knowledge beyond fiction is a vector of change and um, uh, is actually taking action uh, in itself on its own. So uh, it is a, we can hardly do a better conversation just because it's basically the heart of the festival. So I, I love this film. I've always loved this film. Uh, I love programming so much. Um, I think we all enjoyed. We all had a beautiful experience. Um, but the filmmakers again can speak better for us. It's um, it's just beautiful to see also sometimes that together our films in a way are stronger because the audience experience is invaluable. Uh, I, I I highly believe uh, in uh talking about uh change to a, a wider audience. I think it's very important. This is why we also welcome at the festival students. Uh, they have exclusive uh, free uh, access because uh, festivals are sometimes seen as um, uh, not necessarily for a wide audience. And I think it's a mistake. I think uh, festivals are very, very special place and they should uh, uh, also welcome uh, not only internationals, but also younger audiences. All audiences, really. And, and you're in a very... Um, uh, you're, in, you're in the privileged position to be able to get all of these films, these great films, these young filmmakers who are coming, young, young at heart filmmakers who are coming in with their own projects, new, vibrant voices, and you get the opportunity to watch all of these, these films and showcase them and put them out there, which is a fantastic um, thing from your part. I know a lot of every single filmmaker who has gone to Paris International Film Festival has always said exactly the same thing, how wonderful uh, you've been from, for showcasing their work. So carry on doing that. Uh, you know, and and definitely next year, producer Dave and I will get our acts together. Yes, and we'll be in Paris for for the sixth Paris. <laughs> you heard it here. You heard it, heard it here first. You're listening to Two <laughs> Degrees on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm producer Dave, and we're joined by filmmaker, film festival director Jenna Suru, who's currently in the U.S. in L.A. of all places. Tell us, what are you doing in sunny L.A.? <laughs> What are we doing? Um, we So first, actually, what's exciting is that now in the follow-up of the fifth edition of Paris International Film Festival, we uh, have a lot of, um, of, uh, of new events, educational events and, and partnerships being developed. So you mentioned Maya Albanese and her short, uh, The Ringmaster. Uh, uh, in, during the festival, we had also... Um, the production forum, which is organized by Région Ile de France, and we had uh, special access for filmmakers because there they literally meet all the funds from France, region funds, um, crew, 
partners, locations, uh, literally everyone you need for three days are there. Uh, and they were part of a very inaugural edition for us, which was the Laboratoire, because something important to mention is that the festival also has a competition of screenplays, both features and shorts, all genres. And uh, Maya and her team, production team with Rebecca, they were part of the Laboratoire in partnership with two entities, the first ISN Network and second Ensemble Ukraine. Uh, it was an incredible edition. Uh, we are actually um, are discussing with ISA uh, currently to develop uh, the next one. But the whole idea of the laboratoire is to uh, basically develop what La Fabrique de Récit is doing in France, but internationally. So working in partnership with them, meaning how can we bring more inclusion in our fictions, but really working on the core of, of the film because it's it's always the same thing. You both know this. It's all about the screenplay. So this laboratoire was such a, a successful brainstorming. Uh, it sounds like that the screenwriters got so much great feedback. And for us, it's a great way to um, feel how we can make a story more impactful. Uh, and obviously for the Oscars, for instance, I mean, it's probably the most uh, highly competitive and change-making uh, competition in this form. Uh, uh, what is the, the film right now which is uh, most impactful with a wide audience so all of this is interconnected and um, and this is what we're working on right now it's great to hear that obviously from as you said from Paris International Film Festival you're getting to meet all of these other filmmakers and you're moving on and working together creating more opportunities for others to carry on uh, working. That's that's fantastic news. And you've been doing this right from the very beginning. I mean, uh, with uh, women in film, and then, you, uh, you you know, you've been doing a lot of that in the earlier days of when COVID was, had forced you all to keep it, um, you know, to keep it uh, virtual. Now that, you know, now you're actually being able to meet up, meet up in person, you're able to move to, various locations to be able to set this up. That's fantastic. Um, with some of the screenplays, I know obviously the whole idea, you know, getting a screenplay from it from the written page onto screen takes a lot. And it obviously a lot of change yes. occurs. Um, were there any screenplays in particular that were worked on during the laboratory that you're working on uh, that you want to give a shout out to? Even if we may never see the final work, are any of those writers uh, people that you might want to give a shout out at the moment? Oh, sure. Aside of the Ringmaster, because the film screened as a short at the festival and was awarded, as you mentioned, um, the feature screenplay was uh, part of the laboratoire. Um, Timothy Porter's Tifoid Maria was also part of the laboratoire. And I, it sounds like he had the most amazing feedback. It was really intense. Um, the laboratoire really was, uh, was very... Um, very surprising, uh, very um, full of uh, of uh, interesting uh, interactions, and it's good because it's coming from a transformative and positive place. Meaning, uh, uh, the core of the festival, the core idea, is to gather international filmmakers, and the the festival is mostly focused on uh, professionals and students. So, in the room, there was it was exclusive; it's limited to about twenty people. Uh, which is already a lot. Um, we were all from different nationalities and backgrounds. And uh, it's like a little village of um, uh, practicing the script and seeing how you can 
uh, change it. So I know Timothy highly enjoyed that. And I really want also to pay tribute to uh, a film which screened this year, which is Shane O'Connor's uh, Irreverence, because it was uh, in the competition last year as a screenplay. It was awarded and it got funding. Uh, on the base of this award and the run-up of a festival and um and and they just program their film. I mean, it's incredible. It's it's great to see that festivals can actually push your career into the next stage. I believe it should always be like this. It's always great when you can really experience it, and especially on 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 the sooner uh, rather than later, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Festivals it, it for for those filmmakers who don't have that amount of backing that financial backing behind them you know studio backing marketing and so on uh, they don't have that working for them and for their projects they don't get the opportunity to be able to have many people get to see it so festivals like yours uh, like uh, you know like uh, the british independent film festival those are all massive uh, avenues for filmmakers without that financial support to be able to have their work seen. So it's great. And glad to hear some, some, you know, some of the filmmakers are actually getting, you know, that sort of benefit, getting financial backing from it, just from being able to de demonstrate their, their film. So we want to hear more about it when you get more of those uh, projects coming on, you come back in, but before we, you know, before we sign off, I always like to know what you're doing yourself as a filmmaker, what projects are you currently working on as your own? So forget the, the film festivals and everything for a second. Jenna Suru, the filmmaker, are you working on anything <laughs> at the moment? TV shows, what are you working on at the moment? It's funny because it's funny you mentioned that, Marcus, because really when I work for the festival, I think about my work and when I work on my films, I think about the festival. It's um, I'm so excited because on, on Friday, uh, I really invite everyone to join. We, we have a very exciting conversation at CineQuest, which is a, an Academy Award qualifying festival in the Silicon Valley, uh, which also awards engineers like Martin Cooper, the inventor of a cell phone. And I'm very honored because uh, uh, they invited me to uh, speak on their unique panel at the festival this year, which is focusing on comedy. And I'm going to speak in particular uh, on the cross-culture cross-cultures comedy and how it can achieve change from a transformative and positive place. Uh, I guess in a way it's so connecting with the festival because um, I'm so excited that the golden age is now uh, available in America on video on demand and it's going to be released in theaters in France in June, though I will have uh, to come back on the show later about that because we are still setting up the exact date. But what I mean is that um, I love telling stories and proving that uh, even with a French independent comedy, you can achieve a bigger change than it sounds. Uh, I was so excited. I was at uh, the Holy Church screening over the weekend and uh, meeting with a screenwriter I've met uh, when I was drawing on another festival in Paris, which has a focus on, on fantasy. And uh, it's a brilliant short. Uh, I, I highly hope it will win. It's nominated this, this year for an Academy Award and it deals with women in general. It's focused on an in Iranian women, but really it equally. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's very universal, and uh, and it's a drama. And I was telling um, Guillaume Leville and the director and and the the female protagonist that 
there are also some somehow a little bit of comedy in it uh and they agree it's it's interesting because um comedy is is incredible in that sense that it gathers a, a wide audience so yes this is what we are working on and i'm very honored to discuss it on, on cinequest because um you know it, it's just great to see that uh, uh if it takes a village it's incredible uh all you can achieve uh on your own and i highly encourage uh, everyone who is listening to this show to keep creating and and keep believing because with solidarity it's just it's just mind-blowing what you can achieve it's just uh, it's beautiful to witness and, and to experience it's it's very prophetic that you actually say that and it, it's it's good and i'm glad you said that actually it's like you know there there are moments in Every filmmakers, no matter how successful or unsuccessful you are, there are moments in filmmakers and other artists as well feel exactly the same way. Where you might just feel, no, I, I just, I, I, I give up. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to move on, and you know, this is not for me, and so on. So it's good to hear you say that out loud, and you know, send that to other filmmakers who are trying to, who, who might be hitting that wall and just thinking, you know, uh, I'm, I'm done to hear, no, keep your head up. It's always going to be like that. You're always going to have situations like that, but there are, just as you're going low, eventually, if you keep at it, you'll you'll, you'll pick yourself up. You, you know, things will get better. You'll get to meet the one person. You, you carry on working. You'll get to meet geniuses and 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 hard workers and and bright sparks mm -hmm. like Jenna Suru and, and, and the Shakespeare sisters and Dom Lenoir and all yeah. our friends and whatnot who all come together and work together to get films done. So yes, absolutely, stick with it, fantastic. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we're here with Jenna Suru, who's a filmmaker and film festival director at the Paris International Film Festival. Uh, just before we'll come back to her just to wrap up the show, but we want to jump into our spotlight where we'll be speaking with Maya Albanese. <laughs> You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we're welcoming back to the show on her victory lap from Paris International Film Festival. Uh, she, uh, she took the Best Director Award at the Paris International Film Festival for her short, The Ringmaster. Please tell us your name and tell us how you celebrated winning that coveted trophy. Uh, at that uh, festival well it's great to be back hi i'm maya albanese and i let's see i was very lucky to have my producer and dear friend lisa with me when i was uh when i received the award so that made it a lot more fun um i think we kind of didn't really know what to do with ourselves <laughs> but we went because it was 11 a.m in the morning but we went out um that evening to one of my favorite restaurants in Paris um, with one of our dear friends in Paris. And it was um, a good time. Yeah, there was some cheers and. So, sounds very clean and wholesome. It's like, oh yeah, we just, we celebrated, we had a meal and had a couple of drinks and then went back home and was in bed by 9.30 PM. It, 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 I mean, fair enough. I'm not saying that that's not what happened. I personally would have been 
up for at least 40, 48 hours just partying and taking all manner of, uh, of, of alcohol, imbibing a lot of alcohol into my system, having won the best director award for the ringmaster. Uh, so you're, you're currently you're still in, in Paris at the moment. Is that correct? I am. Yeah, I just turned in the DCP for our next screening in Paris. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I mean, we um we didn't get the chance to go and, uh, and attend the Paris International Film Festival, which ran from the 8th to the 15th. Tell us what your experience was like um, uh, when you got there, the opening ceremony, in, me meeting up with various people. And tell us what it was like. Well, it was very touching to be at Le Champo, which is a very historic theater in Paris that I have a lot of good memories. So there was a lot of emotion rolling up to that place for me. And it's a place where Truffaut spent many years watching movies. So it's just kind of a legendary spot. So I think it's very cool that young and emerging filmmakers and, you know, indie filmmakers are getting to play their films in such a historic and reputable theater. So that was really special and very filmmaker centric festival. So a lot of the audience was other filmmakers and people working in film. Um, so that was very interesting, very international. The The name holds up as international. Uh, it was, you know, not priority French. It was really French and people flying in from all over. I mean, there were Italian filmmakers there, American Canadian, French, um, I couldn't even remember all the places, but so that's also something really special about the festival and being in Paris in general is that it draws such an international crowd because it's Paris. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it is, it, you have obviously, as you mentioned, Truffaut, you mentioned a number of other, uh, and the, the fact that it has such a rich history when it comes to film, a lot of filmmakers you know in, of a certain generation have been very have been highly influenced by a lot of the French filmmakers uh, who've come before them and obviously there's of course Cannes Film Festival which is one of the uh, the main points in the film year if you will that everyone wants to go to Cannes you now have Paris International Film Festival and you get the opportunity to sort of walk those streets and in your case showcase your film The Ringmaster and get uh, applauded for it the way that you did. For people who missed the episode that you were on just before uh, the festival began, tell us what The Ringmaster is about. Uh, the Ringmaster is a psychological thriller that has uh, fantasy and horror elements to it. And it's about a woman who uh, escapes a disturbing family home that she's stuck in and discovers a secret world of circus performers and she gets seduced into it by the ringmaster himself and becomes his muse at his piano, uh, where she realizes that the circus world is basically just a mirror to the world from which she had just escaped. It's almost fate or kismet. Uh, the, the actor who played the ringmaster in your film, uh, Sam Witwer, because uh, I'm we're, we're currently binge watching uh, the TV show Grimm. And an episode popped up and it's about a circus and it's about performers in a circus and who pops out in that in that particular episode. But of course, Sam Witwer. And I, I sort of screamed. I was like, I, I just screamed at the TV and everybody else around me was like, because they had no context, no frame of context. In fact, the ringmaster. But in my head, I was thinking, hey, he's carrying on. He's now um, been promoted from being 
a character in the circus to being the ringmaster in your film. Obviously, fantastic performance, Sam. Um, for, with, you said you, you had yourself and your producer. There weren't any member of the cast there with you in France? There weren't any members of our cast in France because um, all of our cast and crew are based in Los Angeles, which is very long and expensive trek <laughs> from uh, L.A. to Paris, and all of them are working. So all the four main actors in the short are on shows or movies right now, including Catherine, uh, who plays Alma, and of course Sam is very busy um, so it's difficult unless their work schedule somehow intersected geographically to to make the trek. But they they all messaged big congratulations, including Sam and very um, pleased about the acceptance as well as the award, even though they couldn't be there in the flesh. So absolutely. I mean, it's it, it's it's something I haven't had a chance to watch the ringmaster. But um, and that's a little hint just in case you have any screeners going um, I'm sure producer Dave would be delighted to to get one of them, so we can we can watch the Ringmaster and obviously see the the amazing work that you've done. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus Iaco. I'm producer Dave, and we are speaking with Maya Albanese, the director, the award-winning director of the short, The Ringmaster, just won Best Director at the Paris International Film Festival. Uh, and she's just been talking to us about the film itself. I didn't get to ask you this question the last time you were here. Um, this is more about the the actual, the physical process of making the film. How long did it take you from conception to to wrapping the film and getting it sent off? Did, how, how long did it take you to make The Ringmaster? Ooh, uh, it's not a simple answer because in reality, I started writing the feature script and feature length version of this film many years ago, probably four or five years ago. Um, and then I got to a fairly solid draft of that, let's say the summer before I shot the short, I pulled 12 pages from the feature script that had already been written and then kind of did a finesse of those 12 pages to make it feel like it could work as a short film and standalone piece of film, knowing I was going to have it go on the festivals and hopefully generate buzz to get the feature length made. So it was probably over in the summertime I did that and then we started prepping and casting in the fall and then we shot it in January during the Omicron surge of COVID, which was a real challenge. Um, and uh, then we edited and submitted. So probably, yeah, I mean, probably all in all, the entire process through like making the DCP of the film from when I pulled the 12 pages out of the feature is one year. Um, but the conception of this idea and the world building and the thought going into the world and of it all and the concept started you know five or six years ago really and the last time we spoke you did mention the uh, the idea that there's a feature there's an idea for a feature length um version of this script if i remember correctly from the last episode you, you talked about the potential of making it more european obviously reflecting your uh your status of possibly moving to paris is that still a concept that you have and that you want to you want to explore Oh yeah, definitely. The point of the short is to make the feature and 
Uh, the feature is going through different rewrites right now that have different purposes. Currently, we're in money budget rewrite mode, which is taking a script that's you know, been a finalist in a few competitions and, and was part of the roundtable at Paris Film Festival and working with a line producer to figure out what edits might need to be made to make the film feasible to make, which is naturally part of the process. And then we're comparing budgets between two different areas of Europe to shoot in. Uh, we're pretty much set on shooting it and shooting it in Europe. And now the question is just uh, raising the money. So, and continually making the script stronger, which happens all the way through the edit room of the feature. <laughs> of course, you've got, you've, you've got the three uh, main phases that the story actually uh, morphs, right? You've got the, the point where you write the script to the point where you're shooting it and the story is going to change because of different performances and whatnot. And then in the editing room, when you then see what you have, what you filmed, and then the editor then changes the script. Um, just You mentioned DCP a number of times, just for people who don't understand the term. Could you please explain what a DCP is? Oh, uh, DCP is the projection file that a cinema uses to to display your film. Uh, and it's a special kind of export of the material. Um, ours is in 2K with surround sound. And, you know, that's the professional, traditional way of projecting a film in a cinema. And uh, it's kind of something you, it's something you don't really do until the film's really locked. <laughs> so that's why it's a nice uh, end marker for the process of the filmmaking. Yeah, because obviously you don't want to then, I mean, unless you're Ridley Scott who's uh, retooling, uh, uh, what's that, what's the film? Blade Runner, where you have seven or different eight versions of the same film that you keep changing and you don't know which one you've actually seen because there's so many out there. Uh, but yeah, so it's final when you've locked it and you've started distributing it. So that's great. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we have the award-winning director of The Ringmaster, uh, Maya Albanese, who's here with us. Uh, he's fresh from the Paris International Film Festival, which wrapped up on the 15th of February. So Maya, let's move on from uh, The Ring, because from The Ringmaster. We didn't get the chance to talk to you that much to find out more about you as a filmmaker. I talked about a number of projects that you've worked on. Uh, are, you, are you moving directly into, as you've described, making The Ringmaster a feature? Do you have other projects that you are working on besides The Ringmaster that you'd like to talk to us about? Um, not really i can't really nothing else that i'm sort of like attached to or working on could i talk about um i would say my priority right now is just traveling the festival circuit with the short film ringmaster and directing television commercials which is half of my time um flying to new york soon to do another uh commercial uh and then i guess i work full-time as a director and then um I and yeah, and budgeting and rewriting the feature script. Uh, I think, you know, between those things right now, uh, I'm pretty busy, <laughs> but uh, there's always other stuff circling and many ideas for next features. I have another feature outlined already that I want to shoot in Paris. Um, but I, yeah, I'm trying to really focus on Ringmaster because it appears that it will be getting made. So we just want to make it the strongest film possible as it would be my feature directorial debut. 
That's fantastic news. Uh, I mean, really glad to hear that you did. You mean with the successes that you're getting on the film festival circuit at the moment, you're not you're now managing to uh, capture that original concept of making it into a feature film and developing it into into something that we can all get to see. So, so really looking forward to uh, seeing the final project. We would love to have you back on our show talking about any of the projects that you're working on. Um, what's the next film festival that you've got? You say you've submitted it to a couple of film festivals. What's the next one on the uh, on the trail, if you will? Well, we're still waiting to hear back from the majority of festivals we submitted to, um, but we know for sure that our next screening is uh, at a genre festival in Seattle called Make Believe. Um, and that's in March uh on the 24th and 25th of march the film will be screening and then in april very exciting um on the 26th of april another genre festival in paris paris in the dark will be screening there um it's looking like for the most part we'll play at genre festivals which is great because the film really is a genre movie and the genre community really gets it um so i'm excited to go to some festivals that are, you know, a bunch of genre geeks. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, and that's the thing. A lot of, a lot of um, uh, filmmakers that I talk with, all, they, they've always mentioned that as well. It's always good to sort of like niche down, right? So you've got to find your own market and in your own tastes and say, look, this is the film I'm making for myself. You're always going to find that market that enjoys it, as opposed to aiming to get as many people watching your film as possible. That's a lot harder unless you're a Marvel or DC, if you want to try and reach a wider audience. But it's great to hear that that's working for you. For people who want to follow you on social media and The Ringmaster, what are your social media tags that we can share out? Yeah, I mostly only post and use Instagram and I mostly only use it for work. So that would be the spot. Uh, and it's just my name, Maya Albanese. So at Maya Albanese, and I'm happy to have anyone uh, follow. It's a public account because it really is for the purpose of people who want to follow my film work. So, yeah. That is fantastic. Maya, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us about your film. Producer Dave, I haven't given you the opportunity to ask any questions. I've just been uh, just hogging Maya's time. Do you have any questions you want to ask for Maya before we let her go? Uh, no, I passed them on to you and you asked them, so that's okay. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Maya, thank you very much for joining us. We hope you have a wonderful uh, stay in Paris. Uh, you say you obviously you, you mentioned in the last episode that you might be relocating to Paris. Is that still on the cards or is this mainly just for the film and as such you might be heading back to LA or New York? Uh, I think I am going to continue being an international filmmaker who's very nimble. <laughs> I uh, I work as a local in Los Angeles still um, and I'm trying to set up working locally here and I uh, I think my work will probably determine a lot of where I spend my time um once the feature is a go and we're shooting it over here yes i will probably be based over here in paris um but yeah for the moment i'm kind of doing a little bit of both and enjoying it fantastic if you ever find yourself in in london or we happen to end up in paris we uh, let us know we'll let you know love to take you out for a drink celebrate uh, the ringmaster and get producer dave to audition for you as part of the feature length uh, the Ringmaster movie because he'll make a fantastic uh, 
side attraction. Bridget, <laughs> what, 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 uh, what, what would your special uh, talent be in, in a circus? <laughs> You're asking me? I don't know. You tell yes, me. You, seem to, you, seem, you seem to know everything. So you tell <laughs> I figured I'd let. I figured I'd let you give you, you give a quick uh, audition piece to Maya for now. But that you know, whenever we get to run into you, I'll get pretty Dave to prepare his uh, his sideshow trick, and uh, and we, we can have that as an audition for the movie. <laughs> Maya, thank you for joining us. We'll speak to you soon. Okay. Thanks. And that was our conversation with Maya, uh, who won the Best Director at the Paris International Film Festival, which ran from 8th of February to the 15th of February. Uh, and, and we have Jenna Suru with us, who <laughs> is the film director of the Paris, uh, Paris International Film Festival. Um, Jenna, let me ask you this question. Um, so you're so obviously you're you're from Paris. And so that is a you know, it's the where you would base that particular film festival do you have any this is just a question that popped into my head i don't know why it popped into my head but i'm going to ask it anyway do you have any plans of perhaps doing a tour with some of the films that you know have shown up at the paris international film festival maybe just we're doing something like okay we're going to take some of these films some of these filmmakers and we're going to go around europe and show some of their films and so on. it's just an idea that popped into my head you may not never have even thought about it and you figure no it's never going to happen but it's not something <laughs> that might interest you to actually say right i'll take five of the filmmakers that we worked with and we're going to go to you know start off in paris and then go to london then go to berlin then go to belgium and so on showing showcasing their films Oh, uh, we have many ideas. And it's interesting you say that, Marcus, because uh, we have a different idea, actually. Uh, there are many amazing festivals we love working with. Uh, in London, of course, Randall's. And we have another plan, which I think will answer your question nicely, because uh, in the follow-up of the Festival du Film in Cannes, we are setting up a new event in partnership with film commissions, to film commissioners uh, from the USA and France, and um, also distributors to highlight and also develop a little bit like the laboratoire, but this time in person and in a theatrical experience so for the film, not for the script, um, to develop the in-person educational experience. Uh, so that is uh, interesting because um, obviously many, uh, many industry professionals fly from everywhere in the world to attend camp. Uh, so it will be great to see uh, the beautiful change we can achieve together and how much we can learn and develop because the theatrical experience is still uh, uh, the heart of cinema, uh, though obviously equally video on demand, streaming, or all those um all those distribution platforms are extremely important, especially for those who do not have access. And even sometimes film festivals, especially when there's a pandemic. So um, I think uh, I, I think uh, it, the focus will be the voyage overall because it's all about internationality and it's all about uh, working together. Because uh, coming back to the platforms, something we've learned is that now it's almost impossible to make a film only for, for one country. I believe maybe it was easier in the past, but now your film, you don't really own anymore, right? It's going to travel on its own. Uh, people will find it. People will find your work. So uh, it's all about understanding what can engage a wide audience. And I think it's extremely exciting. It's the heart of what we do. So instead, I guess, of making the films travel, we'll have... Uh, 
uh, I don't know, educational travel for the filmmakers. It will be interesting to see how it develops. No, it's good. It's good. It, you know, it, it was an idea that popped into my head. But you're, I mean, like you said, you've already started to think of, of it. And your idea is even, it's, it's, it's far better than what I was thinking of. Because now you're actually taking education uh, to, you know, to various yeah. places and giving more opportunities to young or and I keep saying young, but it's not just young because you don't have to be you don't have to be young to jump into making a film. You can be however old you want to be. You can be as old as me if you want to to be able to <laughs> make your film, and that's and that's fantastic. Producer Dave, you got a question before we wrap up? Yeah, I, uh, I wasn't sure about asking this question, but as you were talking about education and everything else, I thought let me just ask this question now. Um, the question I originally was going to ask was. Have you got a category for juvenile, either filmmakers or scriptwriters? That was the that was the original question, but to tie that into your educational thing, do you think that will be something that could fly? To be quite honest, having a an under twenty category to encourage the youth, the young people of the world to submit and have critique and get educated on either making films or writing scripts? Oh, absolutely. Um, I love, uh, for now at least, that our festival is a little smaller. We don't try to attract uh, many people because just to mention students, it's important that they can actually meet the professionals and they can meet the distributors and they can be part of our of our, not of our team, but really of, of the whole experience of the festival. It's all about uh, sharing those moments. Um, so I feel um, internationally, uh, I would love to see indeed how we can find synergies with other festivals or other countries. So this is something we're also developing. This is why we love working with Rendance because Rendance is also the film school, correct? So that's quite that works quite nicely. And uh, I'm also a regular speaker at, at schools, you know, a third of my time. This is what I do because so much has to be done at the core and it's great. It's amazing. I, I love seeing the change. I think it's um, a work in progress. It's definitely happening. Uh, Probably what I would love to develop first is um, is a fund for students. I think uh, most of the time, it's really all about the money. Sometimes younger talent have more difficulties, paradoxically, to have access to a fund, even in France. So I would say this would be the priority uh, because... The, the most students they can already come to the festival they can come to paris it's also about being united and being together so the for me the next opportunity after that is to give a fund to students who cannot travel to students who just cannot make a film that would be the priority in my eyes uh, before yeah. uh, the next a fund for for young filmmakers it sounds like a fantastic idea because again i was mentioning it earlier about um, filmmakers not having much in the way of financial backing for their projects and that's the thing you have very creative people who don't have the, the, uh, the you know the money behind their their projects to be able to get them out there so having a fund that would help them to at least develop not necessarily a fund to fund the entire feature of entire project but just to develop their ideas a little bit more and then they can move on to that next step every little bit helps but Jenna Suri, we want to thank you very much for joining us on uh, on the call today. 
we love having you on to chat to us about what all the wonderful stuff that you're doing. We can't wait <laughs> to, uh, to to have you back on to talk about uh, uh, large door again. You talk about it uh, when it when it, it when it gets into the cinemas in uh, in France in Paris. L please let us know. Come back on onto the show and we'll promote it as much as we can so that everybody who's listening to this can get get the opportunity to go and see that beautiful film. I remember watching it when uh, when you shared it with us uh, quite a while ago. But it's it's such a fantastic film, vibrant film. Really, really dug dug what you were doing there, and we think everybody should get the opportunity to see that film. So when you're when you're making it public to everyone else, please let us know so we can uh, publish it. Absolutely, merci beaucoup, and merci for also interviewing our filmmakers at the festival. Uh, we, we, I know they love. I know for a fact they love this opportunity. So yes, there is always more, isn't it? It's always coming soon. So I'm exactly. <laughs> absolutely and you've been listening to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm we want to thank all of you for sitting in listening to us with me in particular ramble about a number of stuff <laughs> but obviously a lot of you were probably saying stop talking we want to hear jenna every time jenna comes on we're like yeah that's fine let's switch on you stop with your yammering and whatnot uh so i apologize for chatting uh, enough waffle but uh, we we'll also mm -hmm. want to say thank you to Resonance FM for allowing us to, to spoil their airwaves with our prattle. If you haven't already, go on to the Resonance FM uh, website. They have numerous initiatives on there because it's a it's a charity. It's an arts charity uh, radio station. And they, they basically are they, they do not have the massive backing. And so the backing they do, they do this for the love of it. But obviously, it's great if you can go and help them out. So go on to the, the website, explore a number of the initiatives they have to be able to raise money, to be able to carry on doing this uh, for all of us. So go go check out the website and let them know that you uh, were sent there by Shoot the Breeze. Uh, I have been Marcus E. Ako. I'm still producer Dave. And thank you all very much for listening. And I'll speak to you all next time. Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs>